equal rights and justice for all. Rise and never fall. Tell himself, boom. What they gonna do when none of them not true? Say what they gonna do, them get slow, yeah. Who do you think you are? We're living in a small world. As wicked as you think you are, we're living in a small world. Fire getting burned, that day will come when they will try to escape and there will be nowhere to run. That day will come when I shall see their handing over palms and bayonets and bullets and guns. That day will come when Emperor Celestia shall rise the wall and they get to you, them from out of the slum, yeah. And the day I would love to see their face for all those evil they do to the human race and try to take things out of place. Run away to space, shoot them in the air. Whoa. Hello, hello, hi, and hello. This is Tian Buku One. And Yula. This is the Black Russian Podcast, episode 38. Mm-hmm. Almost got it wrong. There's been big gaps between our podcasting, but we put a lot into it as far as content, so there's lots to chew on. And, uh, before we get into it, like we do every single time, we like to say, we don't advocate any one particular style, whether it's monogamous, non-monogamous, poly, whatever variation of love you choose to share. What we do um, oppose is anything that is mandated. So mandated monogamy, mandated non-monogamy, mandated polyamory, anything that hinders your ability of growth, change, amendment, evolution we are opposed to but no one style of relationship is more or less divine it's about the quality of connection chemistry and work that's put in between the two people and most importantly put into ourselves because we are our primary partner yeah so word up word up you look sound waking up from her nap so she'll be She'll be thawing out i'll be catching up slowly oh we're talking about that all right yeah so Let's go back and recap episode 37, which was love languages. Yes. Um, so we learned a lot of different things about love languages um, as we brought it up. Um, we discovered, obviously, we discovered our own love languages and the difference between what we like to give, how we like to give it, and how we like to receive it. Um, and also, one thing that I discovered was knowing your love language and a partner's love language is not enough you have to also understand what their motives are behind the way they give love. For example, we have a friend who really loves to receive words of encouragement, um, loves them, like loves the flattery, loves that. And she was dating a guy that gives lots and lots and lots of that. And so she was so to the moon um, by those words. And then as, it, as they went on, she learned a lot more about the person It kind of changed her perception of those words. And it really depends on what the person's motives are. So just them providing you with love in a language you understand is not good enough. We also have to be mindful of the content. And that leads us to Eula's discovery about her love languages and gifts. Um, yeah, which is also kind of ties into the motive behind the love language. 
um, you know, we've we did our long languages, and both of us have uh, gifts as the last one on the list of how we like to receive love. And the other day, I'm like, you know, I actually really like receiving little gifts, like for no reason. And I was sharing that uh, with Tion just to share it and be like, wow, I did not know that. And he's like, huh, this is interesting. That's not how your list of love languages works. And, uh, you know, I spent some time thinking about it. And I realized that Historically, in all of my, the times when I had received gifts, uh, they were from men, and with the exception um, of the gifts that I have received from my dad, they all had a uh, pretty strong meaning attached to them. And in all cases, it was the men wanting something from me and not being able to say it. So, you know, here's a gift as an apology because I did something I know you're upset about, but I'm going to give you this gift. I'm not going to really apologize or go into what is it that I did, and I'm also not going to change it going forward. So, you know, I have a collection of pretty expensive gifts that are that have that attached to it. Or let me appreciate, say thank you for what you did, but I'm going to do it in a way that will show you who's in control. You know, let me go buy you some expensive whatever, whatever. And I'm going to do it in a way that's going to really remind you who's in control. So, you know, those things, I think, created my distrust to gifts. Right. And now I'm like, you know, Tion, <laughs> Tion said that, you know, there's probably a difference in uh, love languages that I have in, ter- in how I receive love from men and women. And that's based on the history of at least how the gifts play out and you know play into that so there's a lot of you know we can't just say oh this is my set list of how i give and how i receive but there's also a lot of history that that's tied into it a lot of uh meaning that people put behind you know expressing love uh in a certain way and all of that plays a role in how we receive it because I was like, absolute, like, yeah, I could care less about gifts. Actually, I don't like them. Right. Because you, 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 you were feeling the way they were coming from men. Is, it's an it's a easy way out. It's a way for them to yeah. skip the work. Yep. Uh, and here's like, you know, uh, a girlfriend gives me some nail polish. I'm like, oh, that is so <laughs> thoughtful. I love it. <laughs> right. And that's a big, you know, it's a big one to understand that we are fluid. We do have our core um, habits and ways that we like to give and receive in our languages and stuff like that. But with everything else and this included, we have to really go deeper than that to understand why we like things the way we do. And also, um, behind every action, there's a motive. So, for example, you know, a guy could go, Oh, I love you. You're so beautiful. Here's some roses. And you could be like, Oh my God, he's so sweet. He loves me and he gets me. But you don't know what his motives are. His motives could be genuine because. I genuinely care and you I, you inspired me to give you these. You could also be like, I read this book on how to get a date and how to woo a woman. And part of wooing a woman was complimenting her 
and in giving her roses. You know, or it could be I just want to manipulate her. I want her to think that I'm all this and that, so it unlocks access to places I want to get inside of her. And if you're not mindful of it and you're not following your energy as well as your mind, then you may miss that because you may be gassed up by all the loving words and gifts or acts of service or physical touch. So you really have to tune in. It's a multidimensional conversation we're having when it comes to love, right? Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Multi-dimensional language we are having when it comes to love. So that is real. That was episode 37. There's a whole lot more in that. Go ahead and check in 237. We are dropping hours and hours of lugs and gems that we gather from ourselves and from other people. So let's get into our quote, girl. All right. Um, I picked mine based on... Uh Parts of the. Oh, where's my third one? No. Uh-oh. You don't have a third one. Oh no. That's all right. I have four. No, I had the third one. I don't know what happened. Um. Based on the parts of the podcast. Um. My first one is um, resentment is often a woman's inner signal that she has been ignored. Uh, she's been ignoring an important God-given responsibility, that of making choices. Mmm. Want to elaborate on that? Nope. Nope. Good. Keep going. That was my choice. Keep going. Uh, my second one, and the last one, because I lost my third one, <laughs> maybe while I was sleeping. Mm. You went in and erased it, mm, didn't you? Maybe. Mm. The conflict between the will to deny horrible events and the will to proclaim them aloud is the central dialectic of psychological trauma. On one hand, we want to say nothing bad happened. On the other hand, we really want to talk about it. Right. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. So this quote right here is my one of my three. Security is sourced within. And this goes back to our never-ending discussion about object referral, looking to the outside world, other people, other places, other things for our security versus being able to source that within so that way we are not codependent on people and therefore being able to live proactively as we want and not be so concerned about our effects on another person that we stop speaking our truth and become slave to other outside forces. Um, another one is anything you lose from being honest, you never really had to begin with. <laughs> if you lost a person by being honest, That wasn't the person you should be with. That's the universe telling you to keep it moving. Um, Another one is when you learn the lesson, the lesson will stop showing up. That's about breaking loops. And so do you want me to give a fourth one since you don't have one? I could totally do it. I know you love your quotes. I feel totally adequate with two, but go ahead. Yeah, well, you know. When someone comes looking for the old you, pulling old triggers, but cannot find you, that's healing. Yep. Love don't live here no more. Mm-mm. Snap, snap, snap. Sashay, Shantae. So those are our quotes. Now we can go ahead and get into the meat of the matter. Yoda Mitchell, what you got? Um, I don't even remember how this thing came up. I think probably from like OKC, uh, you know, couples that are looking for a unicorn. I had, I just had one. Yeah. Um, couples love Eula. Couples, 
couples love me. Uh, I am yet to go for it. Right. Yeah, it's, it's very fascinating. I mean, you know, there's so many different styles and ways to love. Um, and everyone has their yums, and we don't try to yuck anybody's yums. Um, we do end up finding lots of couples that say they only date as a couple. And so when we hear that, it's like, oh, it's fascinating. I wonder why. And in the times that we've experienced, the why can be a lot more than just loving. We want to do these things together. Um, it can be a fun group dynamic, but when it becomes mandated that we only do this, because I'll see one that says, she doesn't date separately. You know, right. we only date as a couple. We only play together. And it's like, well, what happens if one of the two people want to veer off? Or maybe they, you know, meet you guys as a couple meet a person and that person really likes one of you more than the other. And although they like both of you, the chemistry between one and the other is much more resonant. What happens? Do you have to shut it all off? Because if, it's, if, we, if we can't share everything, we can't have anything at all. And all of a sudden, it, there's a lot more dynamics that are, uh, it's a fluid situation. There's, it's hard to just be like, we, you and I, Eula, we're gonna like this person the exact same level, the exact same way, and they're gonna like us back equally, 50-50. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, the way I look at it, it's either, uh, you know, an agreed upon, all right, this is the extent of what we're gonna do. Right. Because neither one of us is comfortable with it, with like, you know, separate dating, right. which is perfectly fine. Uh, and I think we want to talk about like, all right, well, what happened? That's the agreement, right? right? What happens when one of the people starts feeling, hey, actually, I would really like to start seeing this person on my own or right. just other people. But as long as that's an agreement, you know, that it's it's that's all that both honestly want to do fine it's going to be difficult but right. fine uh and also as a maybe a first step into something else right uh that's fine too but the problem is that setting that precedent right uh is always hard like once you set a precedent then getting out of it is difficult right it, it, when we do that if we're not careful we are setting false senses of security. They're external, they're external security blankets. Like I feel and safe if you are with me. But and then usually it's a man and a woman dating another woman. Right, right. Like and that, so I always think whole, is funny. Like of, really, she doesn't want to date another man. Right. Like she really is super happy. I mean, it's it's really funny how it works. Right. It's 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 fascinating and. You know, me and Eula have definitely been with a third person, and what we find is... Always a woman. It's been a woman, you know, um, and what we find a lot of times is each lane, like Eula's lane with this woman, is very different than my lane with this woman one-on-one, -on -one. and all three of us together is very different than each individual lane. So... It takes its own shape. Like sometimes Eula becomes closer to the woman than I am. Now they become, they have a whole different level of connection. They talk about shit that me and this person don't want to talk, they don't talk about. And then us as a group, it's rich, but at the same time, we feel like there's still other shit that we could talk about one on one that we don't talk about in the group because the group pulls everybody in this one group area. 
Um, and another thing that, that I thought was fascinating is, so when you're a couple and you're looking for someone, right, you want them to be someone cool that you like, that you're attracted to, but not too cool to where someone really likes them. Because, and so it's a very fine line of fine dance, because what happens if you meet somebody that is really cool and really cool, and the more you hang out with them, you go, shit, there's much more to this person than just our three plays playing. I would love to go to lunch with this person and talk more, or I would love to hang out with them one-on-one when there's no distraction of a third person. I, I just think that, you know, the the we only date together and we only date a woman is really not a we're in an open relationship or we're in a poly relationship. Right. It's a we're tired of our sex life and we're looking for something to spice it up. And it's pl- it's plenty fine. Right. Uh, I just really don't think it's the same as, uh, you know, it, it's not an entry into an open relationship. It's not a, a polyamorous relationship. It's really like, oh, that's a cool way we're to spice it up. We're monogamous, we play every now right, and then. Right, we're monogamous, and this is the way we like to play. You know, my wife or my girlfriend's bisexual or, you know, whatever. She likes women. You know, it makes it so much, you know exciting for us to be with another woman and you know that's it's totally it's not a uh, open relationship by any means right and it's you know like we're talking about everybody has their own style and we're really about write your own vows write your own script so you can take all these archetypes of relationships that you see and then make your own um the core thing that we advocate is you know trust each other's decision making process over control because control can lead into um, rigid structures, which can lead to someone possibly feeling trapped or someone outgrowing that, and then that can lead to resentment. resentment. And yeah. so, and resentment is when you uh, cannot, you feel you cannot make a choice. Right, like it's a, it's a structured it's choice. It's a oh, I wish I could be doing something else but I cannot because it doesn't fit into our agreement or my husband doesn't want me to do that. So now I'm going to feel resentful. Right. And then what happens is, is the resent can become very subtle and very passive. You may not realize it, but what starts to happen is, let's say, for example, there's a couple and the wife says, we can, you cannot see this woman that we date by yourself. And so what happens is, at first you're kind of like, okay, cool, because just the fact that you guys have brought in the third person is amazing. And you're like, I don't want to push my wife at all, because that's amazing that we're doing this. And then after a while, the more you guys hang out, you start feeling like, oh my God, there's conversations I want to have with this person that you know all of us don't have. Then but why can't you have it all together? Well, this is what we're leading down the way, we're hop and jump. So... We go, and then all of a sudden, he starts texting her more, and they start having, a, they start building a relationship as far as friendship. Um, and then, all of a sudden, although they're not supposed to be having a direct one-on-one, the texting goes to flirting, the flirting goes to sexting, sexting goes to pictures, and all of a sudden, the other person's like, "Well, is it cool with your wife?" And then the guy goes, "Well, she doesn't have to know." And what happens is they start keeping little secrets, and all of a sudden, little secrets grow and grow and grow. And part of why they're keeping secrets is, is their act of rebellion because they feel like 
what they want to do, they can't do. And so now they're going to take it. And that's the way the resentment goes. And then later on, what happens is when the truth comes out that this has been going on, then all of a sudden it undermines the whole trust and makes it more of a mess than saying in the beginning, like, hey, look, I know we started off here, but I don't like, I feel like it's limiting to me. And I feel like I want more than that. And let's discuss that before something happens. They just say, well, you know what? I'll just keep it my little secret. And when we start keeping our my little secrets, then those little secrets become a couple more little secrets. And then once you have enough little secrets, you kind of feel like, I can pick and choose. And then it gets real messy. Yeah, it's really, you know, I think that the problem is that, uh, A, a lot of the times we don't know what we're gonna, that we're gonna want something else when we start. Right. Right, and then uh, it's really difficult to go uh, over, you know, I mean, to, to bring something up that's gonna be difficult. Uh, you know, that's going to be difficult. You got to have experience working through something difficult. And, you know, I, you, mostly in our relationships, neither one wants to bring something up that's difficult because we are not raised to do it. Right. You know, it's just, it's just hard. Yeah. And once we start allowing our fear or discomfort with this difficult conversations to rule, then we start creating more and more of a gap. And in open relationships, that gap becomes wider and wider because you technically have more room, supposedly, but it becomes a breach of the agreement. Whatever your agreement is, if you breach it, whether it's an open relationship or poly or whatever, it's still a breach. Yeah. And that's where, you know, when we talk about our, our past and we talked about, you know, the affair and then being cheated on, people are like, wait, how do you even, how can you have an affair in an open relationship or how can you be cheated on? We tell them cheating on is when you breach the agreement, yeah. when there's deception, when there's dishonesty. So um, that becomes the area. And so what we'll do is we'll get into the trauma situation because a lot of these rules that people create are due to trauma. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, trauma. Let's talk about trauma. Um, in this situation in particular because a lot of the reasons why we have certain rules in the beginning of our exploration out of monogamy is because there are security blankets um, and they're great and they're fine and they're very helpful but the conversation should not stop by I think we should have this rule there should be much more of a conversation as to why I want this rule and where is it coming from so that way we never get too far um, ahead of ourselves without identifying why we're doing what we do. And it can be trauma-based, like I, I have abandonment issues, so if we're gonna do this open relationship, I need to feel close to you and connected to you. So if we say it that way, at least we, and that by saying that, we're being honest with our partner and we're not pretending like it's a noble reason only. Um, and at the same time, we're identifying that we plan to get over that feeling. So this, this what we're asking for now is temporary. It doesn't have to be in stone. And so, yeah, and I think that's where the whole disclosing, well, disclosing on the trauma is really difficult because one, you have to know that that's what you have, you know, that that's your trauma. Uh, and most of us don't, Right. you know, most of us don't know, you know, uh, like I am a pretty happy person. I grew up, you know, in, you know, 
I had a pretty happy childhood. I was like, I don't have trauma. And it takes a while to figure that out that you do. Uh, and then that it's affecting everything in relationships and um, in an open relationship like we talked about before, like in a threesome, all traumas come out. Mm -hmm. In an open relationship, all traumas come out. And, you know, so it becomes, it's a lot more, I think that entering into an open relationship is a lot more than just deciding to be free. Right. But it's a, it comes with a huge responsibility of, ooh, you know, now I, I, I need to figure my own stuff out. Right. Uh, either in the process of working through the, you know, the, the stages of the uh, open relationship or before. Because, you know, and we've made a million mistakes, you know, like yeah. we're not, we're speaking, you know, all of the, all, all the stuff that we're talking about, we have acquired or discovered through our own mistakes yeah. and uh, missteps. And, and still, and still make mistakes and still, yeah. it's, it's a daily thing. It's like, when we talk about these things, there's stuff that we firsthand experience, other people have shared with us, um, and it reoccurs. It reoccurs in our lives. It reoccurs in other people's lives. So it's really hard um, to maintain this. This is like a professional level loving. It's like, you know, we talked about in the past episodes, you know, Steph Curry or a high-end NBA athlete works a lot harder than the guy who plays basketball once a week or once a month. It's just a different level of work. When you deal with open there's so many more variables outside of you and there's so many more variables inside of you that we have to work constantly. We have to constantly be mindful of our gauges, mindful of our fears, um, mindful of our motives so we know why we're doing what we do so we don't dump on other people um, and project issues that we're having. We have to be able to be responsible and own our stuff and say, hey, just so you know, like I'm feeling this kind of way. I know it's from my blah, 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 but I'm feeling this kind of way. Can we talk about it? Or if I bring up like, hey, you know, can we just stop doing this for a while? The, the other person has the right to be like, okay, but let's talk about that. And we have to be able to have that conversation. So a lot of times we may not know our specific trauma. We're just feeling this feeling. It's like, but we have to be willing to talk about it. Meaning we have to accept and empower our partner to be like, well, why are you feeling that way, though? Why do you feel you need that? Right, and also accept, you know, like we've lived through that, you know, uh, a couple of times. Uh, you have to accept that just because, uh, you know, I, y you propose something that is really difficult to me, and I honestly come to you and like, hey, this is difficult. I have this trauma. I don't know if this is a good time to do it, mm, you know, I may get what I want instantly or not. I may get, you know, because what I really want is to protect myself and not go through the experience that's difficult. Like, right. that's what we all want, right? right? When I uh, started having contractions, having my second child, it reminded me how bad my first labor was. And I'm like, oh, I do not want to do this. My brain was literally like, is there a way for me to not go through this? Because I really don't want to go through this. Right. And it's the same with, you know, a difficult situation where maybe Tion's like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to 
take our friend blah 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 and go away for a few days and i'm like but this is so difficult because we're going through this and we're going through that and it's my own trauma speaking right and i really am hoping by saying that explaining it to him i'm really hoping that the outcome is going to be him going oh honey i'm sorry i didn't think this through yeah i agree with you this is not a good thing i'm not going to do it that's my desired outcome right on my personal level but the reality is that i've disclosed it to him he has the full right to be like hey i totally understand but i really don't think we should be honoring your trauma by me not doing it right it's like it empowers the trauma right for not careful right let's just hold hands and carefully go through it and when we're on the other side, we're both going to feel so much better for it. Right. Unless we don't, unless you really do not, and then we're going to talk about it, right. and then we have something bigger. It's a bigger issue. Right. Yeah, and a lot of times, um, the thing that makes us feel that triggers our trauma is not the issue. It's more of like, ooh, this is bringing up something for me. And a lot of times what we are looking for is not for our partner to change to go or not go we're looking for connection we're looking to reconnect with them to be reassured to be reminded or whatever that is and a lot of times when you look at insecure or i get insecure a lot of it has to just do with we just need we just want more connection with each other and so but i think you know, we have learned that i think that yeah. the first wave of so many you know uh, instances of that feeling coming up is not the, you know, the, the, the need is for whatever it is that's causing me discomfort to not happen. Right. That's like the number one thing. Right. That's the, sca- that's the, that's the closed mind state of fear body. Right. That's, that's the fear, the fear yeah. going, I want to do anything I can to make sure this does not happen because this is scary to me. Right. Um, and then we've learned through experience you know, I've learned through a lot of very, like, solo meditations that um, when I check all the boxes, there really is nothing wrong or nothing bad going on. Right. You know, uh, we're playing by the rules. No one's being disrespectful. Uh, no one's doing anything that is really a cause for concern other than it's hitting my fear source. Right. And the only way that, uh, so I have uh, two options. I can either, you know, um, choose to change the whole situation and be like, you know what, this is too much fear. I don't experience it. Right. Uh, or be like, hey, this is par for the course. This comes with, you know, these feelings come with this relationship. Right. And what do I need at this time when I'm feeling insecure, sensitive, scared? Right. And then go for that. And then nourish up. And yeah. Um, and just understanding that this level of relationship is going to take more of you. It's going to take more of the team. It's going to take more trust, more trust building. Um, and these things are part of the, the core things that you check and build as you're choosing to open a relationship. Because an open relationship, you, you have to be able to build a lot of trust. Because you want to, at the end of the day, you want to be able to trust each other's decision making process because you don't your core essence you do not want to hinder your partner's freedom because you're scared and you're insecure if they're doing everything right and including you and talking to you because what's going to happen is 
later on, it's probably going to reverse. Right. I was just going to say and that. And then why? if it reverses, you're going to be like, why? And you're going to say yeah. in, your, in, your, in your heart, why can't I do this? It's totally fine. I love him. He knows I love him. And you're going to feel like it's unfair to you. So we always got to remember when we're, when we're subjecting someone to something that we're going through, flip it for yourself and see how would you like to be treated? Yeah, no, I was just going to say that there's been plenty of time that my last resort is like, all right, so you can go and veto that. Mm -hmm. And he's going to agree because, you know, like you have to. But how would you like it if it's your turn and he vetoes that? Mm -hmm. You're not going to like it. So you can't go and veto that. Right. And there are so many ways that we can abuse our power because we because we care and the other person cares about us, that will breed resentment if we misuse our ability to to manipulate another person's decision making. Like there was a time when we had our men cipher and we we're coming up with our list of rules. Everybody had their own list of rules. And one of the guys rule was me and my wife agreed that if one of us is seeing somebody and it's really hurting, it's really triggering for the other person, that we'll stop that relationship until we, until me and my wife get back to our core thing. And I said, well, that sounds pretty dangerous because what if anytime you're with somebody that makes her feel insecure because maybe they're, she thinks they're sexy or she thinks, or he, whatever, she goes, oh, I don't feel good. Then all of a sudden that past can become a tool of man manipulation. And then you can start resenting the person for that. There's lots of uh, different paths to manipulation. Yeah. In in these situations, oh yeah, I w yeah, you're totally cool to go out, but I really don't feel well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, oh, I'm you know I I really am sad about something else. I really wish you could stay home with me. Right. So and, yeah. you're like not directly saying, no, I really don't want you going out with this person. Right. But you create this, oh, the kids are sick. I don't know. We shouldn't, you shouldn't go. Right. And it's these passive aggressive ways. So what we call them is control dramas. I learned that from the Celestine Prophecy. There's four main control dramas. There's two aggressive ones, which is the interrogator and the intimidator. So like, for example, if an interrogator doesn't want you to go, they're going to be like, well, where are you going? Why are you going there? Do you really need to go tonight? Do you have to go tonight? Really? Is it really important? Why Who is, is that important? person? And then right. they start finding fault in the person and yeah. Right. And then the intimidator is like, you know, making you feel guilty. Like, I don't think it's a good idea. You really shouldn't go. You shouldn't go. You're not ready for this. You don't know this guy. And they intimidate you. And then the other two are passive. It's the victim like, oh no, you're totally fine to go. I'm hurting, but you know, it's not your problem. Right. It's not your problem. Don't worry about it. I'll be fine. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'll figure it out. I don't know. I'll figure it out. <laughs> and then the aloof one is like, you're this. doing it way too well. Yeah. Am I expecting this? No, I learned from you. <laughs> and then the aloof one is like, yeah, no, have fun. No, it's cool. And then the other one's like, are you sure? Yeah. And they're like Whatever. looking off into the sky and like, <gasps> Like making sigh noises. <sighs> hmm. Well, ah, never mind. And it's like these are passive aggressive ways of, of trying to manipulate the situation as opposed to just saying, hey, I'm a little sensitive. There's nothing you're doing wrong. You've talked to me about it. We've, we've discussed it. This is what we agreed to. I trust your decision making process. I can't wait for you to come home. Yeah, and, and this is hard as hell. 
So, you know, we will make fun of the positive ways, but it's really hard not to do it. Yeah, we still do I it mean, it's day. really super hard. It's like, how do you keep my face straight? How do I, you know, stay on doing what I want to do and not, you know, react to him being sad? Like, because I know him so well, even when he doesn't say it, right. by the way that he holds his lips like how right. now i know that it's he's sensitive like it's really super hard right and that's where it comes from like we both have to remember and completely constantly just do team building and strengthening that says hey remember i agreed to this i can take it yeah. if i look sensitive trust me i can take it if i'm if i'm concerned i'll bring it to you if not let's just keep building yeah. love let's stay close let's include each other and when we when we hang out, let's do all the things that we like to do that generate that love and that trust. So when so when you go out, I want you to feel that you have total my support, regardless of how difficult it is. Yeah, no, this whole um, process of not responding to the other person being like you've done that a million times with me. Like mm -hmm. even on my best day, you know, you'll probably still feel it. Mm -hmm. Like it's just hard. And uh, like we try to separate as soon as possible physically mm -hmm. so that we're not in each other's face because the face is like the worst, right. the energy in the face. Yeah. And like, you know, if uh, Tion's going out, like, all right, well, get that, get out. <laughs> like, right, go. hurry up and get going. All right, because it's that, that part is hard and right. you know, we're human. Yeah, the transitions are always really goofy, um, you know, and also, me and Eula just went through something yesterday. It's like, we care about each other a lot. So that means we're in tune to each other. And so when someone's feeling low, we're gonna feel it. And so if they put a specific subject on why they're feeling low, like I'm feeling low because you're going out with this girl. Even if the woman says, but it's fine, it's gonna be hard for me to be like, not want not want to do extra to pacify that feeling and what we have to learn on both sides is if they voice concern and just say i'm not con i'm not, not concerned if they just voice that they're feeling a little squishy um but they've already told you i don't want you to do anything different i just want to share with you that so you can embrace me and, and see me then it's our part on the other side of that to not overcompensate and make it so like Oh, baby, you'll be so... Oh, I tell you how much I love you so much? Oh, my God. And put so much on it that it becomes contrived. You know, and then the other hand, on the, other, on the person who's saying that they're sensitive, they have to remember that they have to own that and maybe pick and choose when is a good time to say it and when is a good time to, to support them and send them on their way with love. And then when, they, when you guys come back together, spend that time and be like, oh, I'm so happy that you're back and actually solve the squishy, which is a lot of times... When we're sensitive, it's the way our emotions and our spirit is saying we're hungry and we just need more of something. And so if we can identify what, is, what it is we need more, to, more of, a lot of times it's not we need more of my partner to stop fucking with these people that, I, that make me insecure. It's just like I wanna, I'm not feeling close to my partner right now. I, I'm feeling a little um, insecure. Like I'm feeling maybe I'm not feeling sexy or maybe I'm not feeling like they want me that much. And then at a later time, find ways directly to have that conversation. Right, so then, you know, like, uh, the, there's two parts to this whole thing of doing 
you know, we, we kind of now left the let's all date one person <laughs> at the same time, mm -hmm. and now we're in the, all right, you know, why do people, why are people so scared to uh, step out of that space and, you know, start dating separately? How do you, so there is the, all right, hey, I'm going out, and now I'm sensitive, so now I have to train myself and remember all of my training, like, all right, just be excited and then deal with your stuff as well as you can. And then, you know, if there's any leftover when he comes back, you can figure that out then. Right. Uh, so then there is this uh, coming back together part. Right. Uh, you know, and that one is not automatic either. Right. You know, uh, we have friends who, when they come together, it's uncomfortable. And, you know, it's because the husband is so sensitive to her being out that when she comes back, it's not a relief to him. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I think that I've, I've historically felt it both ways. I really, really like it that when... Like, you come home and I instantly feel like, you know, right. it all in sits in the right place and all is super easy. But that's, you know, just like, you know, there's a fairy tale of everything being super easy on right. the way out. It's not so super easy all the time. No. And, and, the, and you the know, there are times when, you know, you come home and it's not clicking right this second. Yeah, the transitions are squishy. Like, yeah. transitions are leaving and transitions are coming back. And, you know the best way that we can help each other minimize the squishy will never eradicate it and it's probably not the best thing to have that as a goal or even to want that because if you're not sensitive to each other's um growing growing and changing and experiencing love and happiness from other places other people then maybe you're just not caring as much and apathy can set in so you want to be very careful of that so being sensitive is a good thing you taught me being squishy can be a really good thing um and we can minimize that by repetition, <laughs> you know, like the more we do it and the more we sh see that, oh, they go away and they come back and they still love me. You know, we go in and out and we still come back. And after a while, it, there's a level of normalization that helps the squishy. Um, and also you can have, there's little things you can do when you come back together, when you're leaving, little routines that help you. Like, you know, I know I like when I come back, you know, to receive love and to like, be affectionate or even just talk about normal things first so it eases us back in right. and then then um the person gives me space to share without being interrogated or debriefed so to speak when i come back or vice versa um i know when we when one of us is about to go out you know it's a similar thing it's just having normal conversations um and just saying like me if she, if eula's going out being proactive and being like you know cool, have a good time, you know, just let me know whenever you're coming back. Right. And not be like, when are you coming back? Right. When are you doing, what are you doing? And you want, because you want to, like for me, I feel better when I send her off feeling loved and feeling like she has the space to do whatever she wants to do. You know, because I know if she feels that way and she has a good time, she'll come back and feel four times grateful, more grateful that I did that and will love me more. Yeah. You know? So, you know, so that's, that's the, the part. And then, you know, so I guess what would we say if a couple is, is still orbiting in we only do it together mode when one of them is starting to kind of, you can start sensing that um, that temporary security blanket is no longer 
a blessing, it's now becoming a little bit too restrictive. Well, it's, you know how when we look at our relationship, we both go, wow, it would have been so cool if at certain points early on, we had someone who could guide us, right? who could share their experience, who could share basic, like, you know, there are very basic uh, do's and don'ts, and but there's... It's more like very basic ways of questioning yourself. Right. Let's say, uh, you know, at the time when you're like, hey, you can do whatever you want. Don't mess with my friends. Right. Right. If there was a wise person who knew to pause and be like, hey, Tion, let's talk about this. Right. Like there's nothing wrong in what you just said. And that's how you feel. But let's just talk about it. Right. Uh, you know, or to me when I was like, yeah, I know we, I agreed to not mess with his friends, but right. you know, oh, he's not going to be able to handle it. I'm not, I'm just not going to tell him, you know, and that's when we start on this path of creating something that is going to come out mm-hmm. later and it's going to cause us years of difficult rebuilding and you know, lost years that we could have been building and set differently. So, you know, like what what I would say is that if you have if you have people to talk to, you know, and people that you look up to, talk to them. Yeah. You know, uh, seek the information. It's difficult for people to, uh, you know, when when couples decide to open up in however way they came to it and whatever their circumstance is, you know, I think our first layer of freedom is, ooh, we're doing this, but we can't talk about it because right. no one's going to understand. Well, if you can't talk about it, you're not going to know that there are things that you know other people have experienced and maybe will help you Uh, and also like i don't know how comfortable everyone is being honest about really what they're what they're dealing with in the relationship right you know with outside person let's say it's a therapist or you know like i'm i i really have a big concern about uh going to therapy because i'm such a good bullshitter that i will present only the parts that I can control and want to present. Right. And unless the person's really, really good, uh, you know, I'm gonna pay for something and waste my time and their time and be like, they're like, oh no, you're doing great. Right. Good you're, for you're you, you. keep going. You feel good. And yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, but I just bullshitted you. Right, yeah, and you know, like the analogy I like to use with, you know, having wise counsel, like imagine, you know, opening the relationship is like going backpacking in South America and we decide to do it and we're really excited to do it and we don't seek any knowledge or wisdom about from people who've done it millions of times like it's gonna be a lot harder to do it on your own without any advice where to land where to enter what what's poisonous what's not what to eat what the climate is what best time of year to go there's so many variables but if you just had access to somebody who's done that for 20 years, who wrote a book about it, who does tour guides, who has YouTube tutorials about it, it would be so much easier because they'll say, hey, so you know when you first get in, you're gonna be super excited. 
And then about three or four days in, you might start panicking because you're gonna come across these things you've never seen before. Let me tell you what they are. Now we sound like infomercial. For what? For, for some for book that we don't have? <laughs> if you just buy our book with right. two installments of- <laughs> Now we need we like book. Yoda, Yoda the road, the road manger, the, <laughs> Yoda, Yoda the park <laughs> ranger will guide you through the first five exactly. years of your yeah, open there relationship. there you go, that's our, that's our yeah. commercial, we should yeah. do it. But I mean, that's what it is. Like it's yeah. so much easier if you have somebody saying, oh, just so you know, if you feel this, it's perfectly normal. Everybody feels something like that around right. this time. Right. And then you'll feel this, and then you may feel that, and then what's gonna happen is, you and your partner are first gonna start seeing parts of each other you never knew. You're gonna see fears in each other you never knew existed. Don't worry, here's, what's, here's why it's happening. It's not because you're not compatible, it's not because your decision to go into the rainforest is wrong, it's just a whole different environment, and it's bringing out a whole different part of your personality you didn't know existed. And here's what I suggest you guys do. Right. And if you have that, it keeps you calm. That's why kids love parents, because they can guide them. Like, when you're a little kid, you get nervous, you grab your, you grab your mom's hand, and your mom will guide you through the park or the wherever it is you're going through. Um, but that's the same thing with open relationships. It's like, it's such a whole different way of thinking. It brings out a whole different set of emotions. Um, and it needs, it requires a whole different levels of communication with yourself, with others, different languages, different keys, different, all these things. And if you're doing it by yourself without any guidance or any wisdom, it should be no surprise that it's probably gonna be a lot of face planning and a lot more unnecessary painful things than if you have a guide. Right, and because Tiana and I largely have done it on our own, there was a lot of face planting. Uh, we're gonna do, the next episode will be recapping, you know, his history and his growth and recapping my history and my growth. And in my part is where lots of face planting is. I've really been feeling like, uh, you know, we meet people, they start listening to the podcast. I assume they know everything about it, about me because they have listened to the podcast but they're on episode eight. And eight is before anything happened. Right, or they started Or they started 36. on episode 36. So it's like, they look at us like, wow, you guys are fucking amazing. This is like so cool. And, and I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> like, you have a whole big, huge, super painful, repeatedly painful part that's missing. And I am not saying that we would have avoided that. Uh, but maybe we would have avoided half of it. Maybe, you know, we would have had different things. But, uh, and it is possible to do it on your own. It's just, it's just hard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, going hiking in the Amazon forest by yourself is totally possible. You have to be cut up, cut out for it. Yeah, a lot of people go in there and decide they don't want to come because they think it was just not for them where it could have just been maybe they didn't have the right guidance. Um, but... It Luckily, makes it a lot easier. Like, for example, like Gila was saying, who's to say we would have not needed to go through what we went through? But I think if nothing else, we'd had a better understanding that what we're going through is normal. Yeah. And that it's part of the process, and here's why. It's a brand new thing. It's contrary to what people <laughs> believe. It's not just like, oh, it's, it's the same relationship. We just changed one thing. So we, uh, you know, we're nerds, right? And we like going through difficult stuff. Um, but on at any point we if if either one of us wasn't who we are 
we wouldn't have been together. Yeah. We had plenty of reasons to break up. <laughs> if, yeah. that, if that, you know, if we could have at any given point, we could tell you guys one thing. And you'd be like, oh, and that's why we broke up. You'd be like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Right. And there's like 50 of them. Yeah. So, you know, it's a higher level of commitment to self, to each other, to growth. Um, and freedom ain't free. You know, and everybody's freedom looks very different. And the goal is to not grant somebody freedom once. It's every day you grant them freedom. You remind yourself that it's, they're free. So if they go left and then go right and then go up and then go down, you don't go, what? That's not what your freedom looked like yesterday. Stay back the way you were. You know, freedom is very different. You're so amazing. We have infomercial and we have a bumper sticker. Freedom ain't free? Yeah. I think, I think George Bush had that one. Oh, really? Yeah. Freedom but ain't we free. Have it, but we have it with like our a logo different context, and like different yes. contexts. So. Yes. Freedom ain't free and freedom looks very different to everybody and it'll change and evolve. That's too long for a, for a bumper sticker. Right. It's a bumper sticker. It's a digital bumper <laughs> sticker that you click on and then it gives you this whole like sentence. Like All your right. voice, your voice in a hologram pop up. It's there in the future. Go. It's a future shit. Got to be ahead of the head of the curve. All right. That's how we retire. We'll yes. make all this money. Digital bumper stickers. So that's the first half. Episode 38. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we'll go into a little song break and then we'll come back and finish up this one. Ha ha ha. This one is for the children Get up, stand up and let your voice be heard Change your word, gather in till and see brand new recruit Tell them say tomorrow belongs to the youth We call in the willing Get up from the slum Your works must be done, spread your wings and fly I shall lead the way, so wipe away all your sorrow The things you do today will pave the way for tomorrow There's gonna be a time when we left out The city with no doubt And watch the government get paro So don't mix up in a demilusion Your soul is in conscious evolution There's no separation, only fusion So we rise This one is for the children Get up, stand up, and let your voice be heard. Chant your word, gather in cell and say brand new recruits. Tell them say tomorrow belongs to the youth. We call in the willing. Rise up from the slum. Your works must be done. Spread your wings and fly. Nakamura, tell them fear Origin. Take it to the genesis From the start it begin Know yourself and learn about the world that we're living in A colorful place full of varieties and differences Keep your focus kids on the synthesis Unity is strength for all the earth citizens All for one and one for all Together we will never fall, never fall They try to mislead the youths, them with mind control Vampires lurk in the dark to take your soul So be wise and yes, we're back at it. This is the Black Russian Podcast, episode 38. Yoda, the Park Ranger, Tion Buku 1. Now let's get into raising kids. Oh, I love it. I love it. 
I love it. Uh, so, what do you tell your children? Right. So, and this is a good one. We just came back from LA and we, we had a long conversation. You know, we were able to just really give thanks for the fact that we have three very colorful different children um, and they all feel comfortable enough to come and have conversations with us about sex, about relationship stuff, about emotional stuff. Um, and it's, we're really grateful that um, we've co-created a space along with them because they created it with us um, to give them the space to think freely and to feel comfortable talking to us about anything. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, our willingness to show them who we really are um, and not try to hide all the face, all the bumps, all the changes, all the parts of us that we would deem um, scandalous to a kid or to our, our, or, you know, our children. Uh, so while we're recording this, our youngest one texted, hey, mom, we need to talk about something. Yeah, I saw. I don't know what that was. But and I mean, it could be a whole range of, the right. range of things. It could be how she feels about an upcoming concert yeah. or her problems with friends or her feelings of being lesbian or bisexual or maybe liking a boy and not knowing how to handle it. Right. I don't know. Yeah, it's wide open. And, you know, the fact that they can talk about it is really cool. Um, and we're talking about how, you know, like we have friends who a lot of their trauma stems from, and I think you and have trauma from that stems from the parents and the way that they did not talk to us or the way they painted pictures of how their life was. And we found out later that wasn't their life at all. Right. It's, you know, like I always say that my, really my, ins like my uh, instinctive feeling that I get when I think about my childhood is happy. Like that's my overall like blanket feeling. I'm like, I, my childhood was really happy. I had everything I wanted uh, and more, you know, I was made to feel really special. And, you know, my parents are still married. We lived with, you know, like my grandma and my parents and my sister. Like it's, it, it was all great. Right. And then as I, as uh, you know, as we raise our kids and as, uh, you know, I compare how, like what their relationship with me is versus what my relationship with my mom or my dad is, uh, I start realizing that, yeah, it was great but there were these big huge parts that created long-lasting effects on me you know uh, my difficulty with uh, saying the truth right when I know that that truth is not going to be you know welcomed with you know roses and happy feelings right like I would rather not tell that truth because I was trained uh, not to tell it and not like hey you cannot tell us the truth but you know the energy that came to me with where are you going who are you going with why are you going be careful be this be that told me I cannot really tell them what I'm doing right uh, and not because they're bad people or wanting to control me but because that's how their world was you know um, 
but that resulted in me having really learned early that I am better off not sharing exactly what I'm doing. Right. Because I don't want to hear all this stuff. I don't want to be limited. I actually want to do exactly what I want to do. And the way for me to do it is by not telling them. Right. You know, so my sister and I created like elaborate dances of, you know, we would, when we were 17, 18, like we would go out together, tell them we were going out together, go separate places, spend the night somewhere else, and then meet up in the morning and go come home together. Right. Like that's coordinated lying. Right. You know, that's not even me lying on my own. It's my sister and I knowing now we cannot tell them and it's easier when we do it together. So, fine. You know, we did that for years. Yeah. And these habits that we learn very early dictate and bleed into our relationships with our husband, wives, boyfriends, girlfriends. And then if we're not careful, it goes right back into our kids. And that's the whole do as I say, not as I do thing. Um, and what we learn about kids is they're way, way more intuitive than we think. And if there's a gap between what we're, what we're telling them and what, what they're feeling, it creates this really weird psychosis and a break to where they start thinking that I don't have to tell my mom the truth. She doesn't tell me the truth. I right. clearly know something's going on and she's pretending like it's all good. Right. And then we learn those same behaviors because we model our parents at times if we're not careful. Um, and so it goes into these questions. Like we always, as parents, want our kids to feel like they can come talk to us and be honest with us. Like we demand that. Like yeah. not only like that's right, another right. problem. You know, we don't just feel that they can, but we think that we're so good at the, being, you know, open and inviting that we demand that they do it. Mm-hmm. We demand that they do it, but yet we never hold ourselves to that same level. We don't check. Do we um, create a space for them to tell us the truth? Think about the last time they told us something that was truthful that we didn't like. How did we make them feel? Yeah. You know, also, are we telling them the truth? Are we letting them know, like, no, it's better to tell the truth. And look, I'm going to tell you, this time I'm really sad. This is why I'm sad. Yeah. Or, you know, we're talking about, you know, mothers who've had sexual abuse and sexual trauma. Yeah. Having daughters that are teenagers. Yep. And not talking about this and not talking about what can happen and how it, and what it personally happened to you and how it made you feel and stuff like that, because that may help them when they, God forbid they do, but most obviously with this world that we have, will come across these situations. And if they don't have the feeling like my mom will understand, then they may suppress it and then it becomes a part of their trauma that... That, that, that colors their relationships for decades to come, too. It's not just, you know, my mom will understand, but also my mom shared this with you, so now I can see it more clearly. Like, right. my mom shared that she was in a situation, she liked someone, you know, and then she thought she was, you know, fine to go hang out with them, and then they forced sex. Mm-hmm. And then not only did she not understand that, you know, that situation of forced sex was not okay, but she also suppressed it for fucking years. Right. You know, like, all of that will let the daughter be more connected to that experience and to catch it earlier, I think. Yep, though, and also, yeah, and it, and one deep thing it does is it shows the kid 
The mom is human, the mom is vulnerable, and the mom actually looks to connect with the daughter beyond the surface and beyond being a disciplinary. Yeah. You know, and that opens the dialogue up to much more real. Like when we talk about, we talk to our kids about our relationship, about being open and about, you know, having the right to choose who you love and how you love as long as you're kind and as long as you're able to respect that other people be different. And giving them that space, it became so normal for them that, you know, the older two ended up in spaces that were very unique and relationship styles that are very unique to them because they had the freedom to and they can come talk to us about it. You know, like our son, you know, he had his first really big relationship, you know, when he was 16. And then he quickly realized like, ooh, it's a lot of commitment to be all that you're supposed to be in a boyfriend girlfriend relationship. I have multiple passions. Like I love skateboarding, I love music, I love drawing, I love being alone, I love hiking. And the relationship is just one of my passions. Who knows if I like another girl too? And he was able to feel those things, articulate them, come to us and talk to us about them and be able to navigate through and out of that relationship and be like, ooh, okay, maybe I don't want to do that right now. Right, and it's, you know, it triggered, like his trigger popped up when, not because he had that relationship, he loved the whole thing, but when he started feeling that there was pressure being put on him and expectation to behave in a certain way mm -hmm. within that relationship because it's now a relationship. Right. And he was wanting to have it just like, no, it's like my skateboarding, it's like my painting, it's like my music. When I feel like I want to and I have time, I'm gonna go skate, I'm gonna pick up my guitar, I'm put gonna my go, all into you know. It when I do, and right. then, But you know. I am not, I don't skate on schedule, I don't paint on schedule, I don't play my guitar on schedule, I don't right. go hiking on schedule, I don't have scheduled time with myself. You know, so why should I have scheduled time with another human? Right. And that's when he really like hit hard pause. Like when he started feeling that, right. that's when mm -hmm. he was like, yeah, well, he felt that and he started feeling like what he was getting was less than what he yeah. was giving. Right, right. When he started feeling like energy was being, and he didn't understand the feeling. Right. You know, he came to me and he's like, mom, I'm feeling stressed out. Right. And I was like, uh-huh, I wonder what he's stressed out about. And I'm right. like, is it school? He goes, no. I'm like, oh, okay, it's blah, blah, blah. He's like, yes. And I was like, okay, uh, what's going on? And he's like, you know, she's expecting this, and I feel like she has less things that she's doing than me. And I'm like, oh, okay, do you start, uh, did you start feeling like energy is being sucked from you? He's right. like, yes, that. And... You know, that's the exact same point when you start adjusting your relationships, when you start feeling right. that someone is not just enjoying time with you right. for the time that you have and the experiences that you both share, but it's being extracted from you. Right. Like as soon as you start feeling that extraction, that's when you hit hard pause, right? right. And then you review what needs to be changed. And that's exactly like it's funny because... Uh, you know, it sounds like we've always told the kids that we're in an open relationship and all that. That's not exactly that. Right. Like, we have never hid it from them, right? We've never 
uh, pretended that oh you know Tion's going out on a business meeting or right. you know it's always like Tion's going out to hang out with a friend right or when you know we had someone over uh, you know, it wasn't like, oh, let's wait until the kids go to bed so that we can hang out and God forbid they see anything or the person can't stay over. What if they see them in the morning? Right. We just acted normally. Right. But we, it wasn't like we didn't sit them down. We didn't proactively tell them, hey, okay, so Tiana and I or mom and dad are in this relationship. Here's You're going to see this. This is what it means. We didn't do that until later. Right. And that we didn't even then, it was just weaved into the conversations. Right. Uh, you know, when I ha hit, one, I think, one of my last, like, super major face plans, Tion actually said, hey, you know, I think it's important that you told, shared, like, your story openly with each kid. Right. And I said, yes, I agree. And I considered, you know, writing to them and this and that. And then it just didn't feel right. And then gradually over time, over the next six months, when the opportunity came that was uh, initiated by them, right. I shared with each one of them in a different way for a different reason, but always weaved into them coming to me with a conversation about their situation. Right. And then me, instead of kind of like being a... Uh, you know, professor teaching right. a class, I was like, hey, listen, I know how you feel because this is what I have done. Right. And trust me, in this situation, you're way better off telling the truth because right. when you don't, this is what will happen. I didn't have the guts to tell Tion the truth and I had to, you know, A, we almost broke up and, you know, I we went through a lot of very difficult uh, cleaning up processes and it's really difficult to undo and then change your habits uh, versus just standing your ground and speaking the truth from the get-go. So right. I appreciate you coming to me and really my advice to you is based on my own painful experience. So now they're not, I'm not preaching to them and I'm sharing with them our story, and it has uh, context, and it ties right into what they're processing, so right. they're processing too at the same time. You right. know, I didn't feel like sitting them down and officially telling them, I feel like if you do that with the kids, I mean, it's one way to do it, right. but they'll always be like, why like what's why the are they doing it like what's right. the big declaration like you guys are are, are you guys like breaking up are, are we changing anything right. and that might be a setup for them to start assuming that maybe you didn't tell them the entire truth maybe right. there's something else but i think that s like explaining that through relating to their experience right. and sharing your own that hits a lot more like directly and naturally and kind of becomes the foundation like it goes into the foundation of your relationship so next time when he comes with a problem or she comes with a problem she's like you know i she'll trust that i may have most likely experienced it right. and i'll have an opinion based on my own uh dealings with it so i'm definitely not going to criticize him because i've done it and i've done like you know worse things than he has right 
So that's sort of, you know, like we did that. So, you know, that was with our son and our oldest one. You know, she is in a long-term, God, like a f- almost seven-year-long uh, relationship. Uh, they opened it, you know, and she's so far... Uh, has uh, been able to be way more direct and stand her ground and uh, deal with, you know, the insecurities that her boyfriend has because she, you know, has created relationships outside of him and has hung out with other people and is as hard as it is for her, she's not hiding it uh, from him. And she shares it with with me and she shares it with Tion. Uh, And that is... You know, if we say, tell that to, you know, anyone, they're like, yeah, well, of course your kids will do that because you teach them that. Right. And we're like, we don't teach them as a, give them a textbook. We give them our life. Yeah, it's not a lesson of like, we're the teacher and they're the student. We treat it like, you know, we have made mistakes. We've experienced things. Let's share them with them when it's context relevant. So that way they have a, a way to connect with us to see that we're just like them. We're no different than them. And I think... Or like they're better than us already. Like they've surpassed us. And I'm, you know, we're so grateful to be able to be like, hey, I'm proud of you. You have now done what I have never... I just hope to be able to do it. And, you know, it's helping me to remember, hey, if she was able to do it, I should be able to do it. Right. And it normalizes the relationship. I think one of the... One of the crazy things that we have as children growing up into adulthood and seeing our parents is there's a point in time where we realize our parents are not perfect, that our parents make mistakes. And a lot of time we discover that not through conversation, but through watching and be like, oh, and it kind of is, a, it's kind of like a, like a shock to our systems. And I think it's a little better and easier as from our experience is when we tell them, like, look, dude, like, we've gone through this. Like, when I was your right. age, I would, I wouldn't go and smoke weed and do this and that, and, and I wouldn't, I will try to say like it's a, it's a, like, and that's why you shouldn't do it. It's like, no, you're gonna do this, but look, right. th- this is what you're gonna choose from, and if you're trying to go there, you have to be mindful of that. And I think I love what you, and you know, our daughter, oldest daughter, have is because when she's going through this relationship stuff, and she's like, nah, you know, maybe I'm not gonna tell them, and you're like, no, look. Yeah, you should tell them, and this, and then you can give them a cautionary tale yeah. by your firsthand experience of what happens when you didn't tell. Yeah, and they can go, oh wow. And I mean, the fact that it actually helped. You know, right. I I was, you know, she told me something that she didn't tell her boyfriend, and I'm like, all right, you need to tell. Like, you know, I just really want to. You do what you want to do, right. but I'm gonna. I have a strong opinion right. based on what I did and how I did it wrong and what it has cost me. Right. Uh, and I'm going to tell you this three times, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because maybe, you know, you're going to dismiss it first time and then ignore it the second time. And then maybe it's going to, you know, you'll be like, oh, mom usually does not like stay so consistent. Right. Uh, maybe I should listen. And then lo and behold, you know, she actually came through and, and you know, started telling him the truth. And I was right. like, holy wow, like, I didn't know if to expect it or not. Yeah. Because of how difficult it was for me. Yeah. And that's, and when we break that barrier um, and actually become vulnerable to our kids, it gives them room to, to grow 
and also care for us. Yeah. You know, when, when our kids see that we've made mistakes and that we've learned hard lessons, it gives them a way to rise up and comfort us, which allows them room to grow and understand, which brings us to a closer, normalized connection. I think this all fairy tale stuff and the Puritan situation and like, we want our kids to live a perfect life. We don't ever want them to understand the harsh realities. And the only time we deal with the harsh realities when they experience it right then is a disservice because it's not real, it's not honest. Nope. And what happens if when we do that as we're talking, we start creating these fairy tales for ourselves and it plays into our relationships where we claim we're super close to our husband, our wife, but there's hella shit we don't tell them. Right. Because we're trying to keep the peace. We don't want to upset them. What will they say if they knew this part of my truth? Right. And so we live in this weird universe where we're not even showing our closest person our truth or like you know we have certain people we tell certain things to right right this is what we tell our husband this is what we talk to them about that's what's safe and this is what we really share with our girlfriends right and that's that's all the all the whole entire other side of like oh i just lay there and endure him having sex you right. know like uh and that's that's a problem yeah and the crazy thing is and we'll, we'll do that, and then we'll say, ooh, I don't want my daughter to go through what I've gone through. But yet, we don't tell them what you've, what you've gone right. through. Right. Like, you don't want your daughter to get married at, early, at age 20, not knowing what's out there, and then completely settle to being a mom for 20 years until she's depressed, and then have to find a way to get a divorce and factor all the kids in and stuff like that, and then try to learn this shit that she never got a chance to learn. But yet, you have the information, the experience, and you're not sharing with him the range of, of well, possibilities. Well, that thing, you know, I have learned from my relationship with my mom that that is a two-sided uh, coin. You know, that there's a reason why uh, parents don't share the difficulties of their actual life and are would basically prefer... Uh, us repeating their path mm-hmm. because it endorses their path because it confirms to them that regardless of the difficulties that they chose to endure mm-hmm. it was the right path if I start going against my mom's path and she starts seeing me happy and bubbly and you know the earth does not open up and swallow me up because I leave my kids and go you know, away for a few days just for my own personal t- pleasure. Right. She starts questioning her own choices. Right. And who likes to question their own choices when they have lived most of their life and they don't have an opportunity to redo it? Right. Like, that's a difficult thing to do. Yeah. No, like, that's, that's definitely... And, and, and that's, you know, I find that that's another reason why, uh, you know, parents don't tell the actual reality to the kids and then not don't forewarn Right. And that's that's a whole another section of the parents. The, the parents that were speci- I was specifically talking about are the ones who know that they don't want their daughter to go through the hard shit they went through, but yet they're terrified to have that conversation with them. The ones who are like, I don't want my daughter to think that misogyny is okay. I don't want my daughter to have to wait till she's in her late 40s to identify that she has the right to explore and be 
whatever she wants to be, gay, straight, bi, without these parameters. But yet they don't have that conversation. You know, um, they want their daughter to feel like they can confide in but them. But I'm or telling their, or their you, son, like I you think know. that it's a combination of both things. That the the reason why it's so hard to tell is because we're admitting to have made the wrong choice. Right. Admitting to but have made the wrong choice. But what if you already admitted that? Like, for example, you know, the parents that we know who have said, "Yeah, if I would have known then what I know now, I would not do that. I don't want my kids to go through this." So they're consciously saying, I don't want my kids to go through this. But, but then, then we're I like, mean, why don't you me, tell them? And they're like... Well, right, because that's admitting to... I'm saying not admitting to yourself, but admitting to the kids, admitting publicly. There's a different right, level well, of it. Super, that you're not right. a superhero? Yeah. Right, I mean, that's that the, you're not a superhero, that you have experienced trauma, that you were maybe dominated in your relationship, that the marriage to their father wasn't as rosy as they thought it was. Right. You know, like, uh, there's a lot of these skeletons. It's hard to admit. Like, it's like, oh, I'm going to shatter my kid's perspective on the first half of their life. Right. It's hard. Yeah, and I think a lot of a lot of that, as we know with ourselves, and as we've, the discomforts we feel when we have to start these conversations, is it's our own fear. Oh, yeah. It's our own fear. Like, yeah. we're, we're, like, for example, we're talking about people who have affairs. Right, they're like, ooh, I could never tell my kids. Like, I could never, I have to keep it a secret. Right. And You're me like, being me, I'm like, hey, so when your affair comes out, or we have a series of affairs, yeah. and I do that very regularly. Right. When your series of affairs come out, because they will, right. because I really don't think anyone can take that to their grave. Right. How do you think your kids are going to take it? Like, right. do you think your kids are going to be able to sit there and analyze your whole entire marriage and your relationship with your wife and come to the same conclusion that this was the most honorable way of handling the situation? Right. Or are they going to be like, dad cheated. He's right. a cheater and he lied. And what the fuck? Now I can't believe anything. The whole thing is a scam. Right. And that's the thing. It's like we, we learn this over and over again, but we still don't always apply it 360 is... You know, the truth can hurt, but what hurts more than the truth is deception. You know, years and years of deception, because when they finally find out or when we finally find out the truth, we have to go back and rewrite our history. And it's really yeah. hard because there's so much emotional trailing to that. Right. So and then, then we go, why didn't you tell me? And then we feel the anger of like, why didn't you tell me? And they go, well, we thought you couldn't handle it. Then it's more offensive. Right. It's layers of it, you know. Um, you know, like our one friend was like, you know, I thought my mom was this growing up, so I felt all these feelings to protect my mom, and then I find out that totally wasn't the case. Right. You know, like, and that's because the truth wasn't told. A lot of uh, issues that our childhood issues are a lot of times kept with us because we've never told anybody about it and given somebody a chance to be like, hey, no, 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 that's not what happened. Right. Your dad didn't leave because of you. Right. Your dad didn't do this because of you. He did this because he was going through this. He was battling alcoholism and he had struggles and his parents never taught him how to communicate. So he ran and you go, oh, like if I would have known that when I was 12, it might have helped me understand it because I thought it was my fault. Right. And by now you've acquired all these whatever, yeah. you know, traumas you and build, reactions and all build that decades stuff. Decades of, yeah. of castles based yeah. upon that being your part of your truth. Yeah. So if we don't want our kids to grow up building their castles on false truths, 
then we have to break it down earlier and trust that the truth, as painful as it may be, will help them because in decades later, they won't have to go back yeah. and untie things. We all know as adults how hard it is to untie trauma and, and write new scripts and write new habits. With it's, the same person, the, especially. Yes, it's very, very hard to do. So why would we want to put our kids through that? Yeah. Like we think, we say it to ourselves that we're protecting them, but we're actually protecting our, our discomfort. Yeah, for sure. You know, so it's a very interesting thing. So, um, so you know, like when, the, so the, the answer to the question of what do we tell our kids, you know, the answer is pretty much the same all the time. We live, right, openly mm -hmm. with them every day. And no, we didn't make a full-blown sit-down, you know, let us explain how our relationship works, but we weave it into the conversation when right. it's relevant. Right, normalize We don't, right, we don't avoid it, we don't tell them half-truths. Right. Uh, you know, but we also don't go into, like, specific details and, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, I've gone through details with you know, with our d oldest daughter, with like, you know, when I shared with her, you know, that, hey, I had this relationship, right. you know, they know, all, they, they all know when they're close to, you know, our friends, so right. they know who that is. And she's like, oh, you know, and it gives them color. Right. Because she knows how close Tion was, how close I was, like, you know, it's, right. it gives them real color, but otherwise we don't sit there and go through like, Oh, and then this person, and then that person, right. and, you know, and, and this is what's currently going on. The and, context. and the most important thing that we don't do is we don't allow them to still believe the fairy tale that you're supposed to live your life to find your one partner and be with them right. till death do you part. We want them to feel that there are many different ways to love. So whatever you're feeling is not abnormal. If you feel like you don't want to be with a guy, you don't have to be with a guy. Yep. If you feel like you can love many different people, you can love many different people. If you feel like you don't want to have any relationships because you love your passion so much and you don't want that, that's fine too. But So we make sure that we create a width of having and sharing them. There's many different ways people have relationships, you know, and that's where, you know, whether it's gay, straight, trans, LGBT, open relationships, we talk about these things and we normalize them. You know, 25 years ago, people didn't normalize homosexuality. Yeah. Maybe like it's some dark capsule. People never knew. So if God forbid one of your children was, was homosexual, was gay or lesbian or whatever, they would feel very uncomfortable because no one talked about it. And they'd be afraid to tell you. But if the parents were like, no, it's fine. We, some people are like guys, some people are like girls, it's totally fine. They'd be like, oh. And then as they felt that way, they'd be like, oh, well, I like, I like, that's me. I like, I like right. girls. So, you know, I think that our, um, you know, the celebratory moment of how we raise children uh, was this last week, a week ago. Uh, our kids were going through it, or our daughter was going through it with her boyfriend. And uh, that weekend, Tiona and I talked to her about her relationship. And then her boyfriend called us to talk about the relationship. Right. And <laughs> it was like, wow, like we, w we were hoping that we could help them, but we definitely didn't assume that both of them will be comfortable talking to us. Right. Right. And what, I mean, 
what a crazy blessed opportunity to like our daughter's boyfriend feels comfortable enough to come to us and share his struggles and his vulnerabilities and feel safe that we're not going to just protect our daughter right and that we actually care about him and the greater right. good of everything and that he can come to us and ask not ask for hey can you talk to her right but be like hey i'm having these problems i don't know i don't have tools to deal with them right. i know you guys have been dealing with this and doing this for many more years i'm wondering if maybe you have tools right like that was the extent of the conversation right and i mean it wasn't about like oh can you tell her can you you know can you like be a go between right it was a real um and that's the type of way that we act as relationship nutritionists yeah um and that's why it's kind of fascinating like how we don't do this as a profession. We've done it quite a bit over the last year for different people, different couples, your friends, different people, kids, whatever. Whoever we've talked to have come to us, we've shared these things. Um, and it's a very interesting thing for us as far as like, maybe it's a part of why we haven't decided to fully go into being therapists, counselors, stuff like that, because I feel the way we do it is so much more interpersonal and the fact that it's not so clinical gives us room to actually care as if they're part of our community and not this client patient right. energy um, and it's a blessing I mean it pays dividends and, and karma and just um, con contributions being able to contribute this information to people because we didn't have it. <laughs> right, exactly. You know. Like, you know, like him coming to us and he's 22, coming to us and being like completely open, like, hey, I feel insecure. I feel scared. I don't know. You know, I know that my reactions to when she tells me things are, you know, create problems that's totally opposite of what I'm trying to do. But I do not know how to handle it differently. I want to. Yeah. I just don't know how to. Yeah. Imagine women out there, imagine if we had men's emotional training at an early age to where men at the age of 22 would be able to come up to their male counterparts and be like, hey, I'm feeling really insecure and I know when I talk to my girlfriend it's coming out in very bad ways and it's not what I mean. And I actually okay. had someone they could talk to about it that would give them the tools and the education needed to handle it better. Because he feels so much better, much more calm and has more tools. Yep. And his level of emotional intelligence about himself and relationships just in the last two weeks has probably grown more than it has in the last four years and that's because of his inclination his desi desire to want it but also having access well in the, just the history of our relationship you know like our close relationship started with when we knew that the kids were having sex and we were summoned for a conversation with his parents who didn't know and were all concerned and Tion and I are sitting there going hey you guys you know they're good kids right. they've dated for six months what do you want like I would much rather my daughter had sex with your son than anybody else at a party right. like what do you expect you know like I, I think this is great yeah and I think you know or I know that them hearing that that was the uh, our input in the conversation when his parents who were concerned uh, started to create trust that we understand, you know, 
who they are, what their relationship is about, and we are being very realistic about it. Right. And that trust, you know, continued through the years, and it created the environment where he can, I mean, he's come to me before when they were having problems just so that I could help him through dealing with her. Uh, and that was, you know, adding to the level of trust. And now it's like, yeah, I want you guys to hear from me like what the, the, the difficulties I'm having, not with your daughter, but right. with myself. Right. And so as we wrap up this energy, as talking about the, the, the kids and stuff like that, what we've discovered as we've done this more and more and more, um, the way we treat all relationships should be very similar in meaning being truthful, honest, and compassionate from the root. Like the way we treat our kids affects the way we treat our relationships. The relationship we have with our parents affects the way that we have relationships with our kids and, and other things. So if we have a hard time being honest, it's going to be through all of our lives. It's going to be through our relationship with kids, relationship with boyfriend, girlfriends, whoever. If we change that and start becoming more honest, we start realizing that the baggage and the weight that comes from deception is yeah. too heavy. Yep. It's too heavy to bear and it perpetuates false narrative. Yep. And false narrative when it comes to light creates resentment and pain and um, it does things to other people that you can't undo. It's up to them to choose what they want to do with it. Um, so when we start, you know, and we're kind of this loops back into the first part of, of the podcast where we were talking about what happens in the relationship that, you know, the, uh, the couple agrees to only see, uh, you know, date someone as a couple and one person wants to start flirting with someone else and now they know like it's difficult to to go in and reestablish the rules because you know maybe her husband's going to be very sensitive and she knows that now she's going to start keeping secrets right what is that going to do that's the very beginning of creating a uh, bag of lies that is going to possibly break the whole thing up because right you don't know how your partner is going to deal with that. Right. You know, hopefully they will be able to see the root of it and their own fault in the creation of, of, of this path, but it's too easy to not do that. Right. It's too easy to be like, you lied, you went against our agreement, I don't understand why you're a bad person, you're out. Or you're not out, but you're going to suffer the consequences of me pointing that out. Yeah, and the realization is once you feel betrayed and you've been lied to and deceived, you don't know up from down. You can't. It's really, really hard to find what parts of their narrative was true and what parts weren't true because you believed it all is true. And you trusted them and they let you down. It takes. It's a really hard time to repair that. And you know how we know? Because we've done it over and over and over again. So our our moral, if we could share this to anybody who's at that point where they're starting to resent and starting to keep secrets, is you want to be as in tune with yourself with resentment and how your trauma's playing out and catch it and tell on yourself as soon as you can because the less you have to clean up, the better. It's better if you've made a couple mistakes or you made a, you kept a couple lies in the first two weeks. Uh, I started to like somebody and I feel like I want to see them and I know, and and I'm kind of feeling like I want to and I can't. That's a lot easier to say than 
two years from now being like, yeah, I started seeing somebody and now two years into it, I'm really intimate with them and I love them. And they're like, what? I thought you were just friends with them. And then all that blows up and you may jeopardize that relationship. You may jeopardize your core relationship. You will feel that feeling of, I want them to believe that now I'm telling the truth, but they're looking at me like, I can't tell if you're telling the truth or not. I can't trust you now. Yeah, that's about the worst feeling in the world because you have zero control over what uh, what the other what your partner is gonna feel and when. That one is as difficult as it is for them to rebuild trust. It's as hard, you know, for me to sit there and be like, "Yeah, I did this. I have no idea what's gonna happen." Right. So. That's our cautionary tale. As hard as truth is, if you can muster the strength to tell the truth up front, like, hey, I'm starting to feel this way and deal with that, you will be so much further on in your guys' commitment to the trust and truth um, than if you it comes out in lies and deceit. That's pretty much the root of it. Once it's deceit and once the more it grows and grows and grows, it erodes your trust, it erodes what you build. You may have two years of amazing or five years or 10 years of amazing open relationship, team building connections with your core primary partner. And you have one lie that you kept for a few years. And that one lie can undermine everything else because now they don't know what else was there that they didn't know about. So on that note, we're going to wrap this episode up. Thank you guys for listening. Please rate Um, comment, respond, let us know what you liked, uh, what you'd like us to talk about more. Your input is super helpful. We also have an Instagram. I guess I've been told that I haven't been telling anybody that our Instagram page is, we have one. It's at the Black Russian Podcast. Do all those good things. Share with a friend. All that. And yeah, what else? What else you gotta say before we go into Gratefuls? Uh, No. No, hi. I think we're good. All right, good. So, I am grateful for this platform to be able to sit in Yula's office with our portable studio and do these podcasts and have them transmit to people that we know and many that we don't know and have it be a source of information that's available to add to the information that we all can use from to grow. I'm grateful that we finally did this episode. I've been wanting to, we've been wanting to, and it was just not... Uh, happening so now I'm happy that we actually did it yeah and I'm looking forward to the next one yes the next episode will be the black Russian recap episode half black half Russian (laughs) get all in it to get you guys up to speed because I know 38 episodes of almost two hours per episode is probably a lot to catch up on so we don't expect you to know our whole story but trust me damn there are whole stories in this one Guys, if you <laughs> took the time, and if you ever are curious about a specific part, just send us a request. We can tell you, oh, you want to know about that? Yeah, that's that episode. Okay. We can kind of be your, your key for that. Um, yeah, I'm grateful for the ability to be of service to our oldest daughter and her boyfriend. I mean, I think that's, that's amazing. And I see so much of myself in him that I feel like I'm actually going back in time and helping my <laughs> 22-year-old self. <laughs> to to save some of the heartache and anguish that 
you know, I, I went through. Yeah, it's it's really super fascinating. So, you know, in the same vein, I'm grateful for all of our kids and watching them and having an opportunity to, you know, I started with uh, my first husband teaching me the main lesson that I took uh, as it relates to, you know, being a parent, and that's we don't own our kids. We're not here to control them. We're here to help them be the best they can be and support them and give them tools. And that's exactly what we're doing. And it's extremely gratifying to actually see results that are beyond what I, you know, was even, I don't even know what I was hoping for. I just was hoping we're going to do the best we can and see what happens. And actually seeing what's happening is amazing. Right. And I'm happy for whatever my internal wiring and my hard work within myself has made me get to the point where truth calms me, even if it's painful. <laughs> yeah. Like, I rather the truth, like honestly, like tell me the painful truth. Um, once we get to the root of our problem or the root of, of those things or why someone chose to not like me anymore or why things blew up, um, what I did, once I can identify what it is, I feel calm because I feel like I have gravity and understanding and something to work on in myself. Like what what can I do? And you'll you'll hear in the black episode I've had a lot. 2019 has brought forth uh, a lesson that I've been trying to learn throughout most of my life. Um, and just every year you keep working that you see it clear. And I'm grateful that when I get there, it doesn't feel like pain and something I want to run from. It feels like something I want to really embrace and learn from so I can grow. And I'm grateful to be this close to you. And it's fascinating. To like this close? I can put my fingers in your hey, mouth? Hey, get off of me. <laughs> uh, it's fascinating to, you know, have grown and like with you and, and watch you go through, you know, life and learn and mature from 18 to 42. And uh, being a part of it is one of the, you know, amazing things in my personal life. And that is love. <laughs> As beautiful and awkward and painful, <laughs> confusing, frustrating, exhilarating. It is all of the above. It is in technicolor, super bright. The highs are really high. The lows are really low. Um, but we are at the helm of this vehicle, as you guys are and can be with yours. Big up yourself. Have a good time. The Black Russian Podcast, episode 38.
take your time, please make a waste Just move your body to the drum and the bass Take your time, please make a waste Just move your body to the drum and the bass I'll pull up selector, no come down entertainer I'll pull up selector, no come down entertainer Shillelagh Bobum Bidum Day, Billy Bobum Bidum Day, Shillelagh Bobum Bidum Day, Shillelagh Bobum Bidum Day. Dancing a Brixton away, put it on. Dancing a Washington away, put it on. Dancing a Canada away, put it on. Dancing a New York away, put it on. I'll pull up selector, no come on entertainer. I'll pull up selector. No bother with the fight, fight Rub a dub night, night Rub a dub night Rub a dub night, night No bother with the fight, fight Rub a dub night, night Rub a dub night I'll pull up selector No come down entertainer I'll pull up selector No come down entertainer Entertainers, I'll pull up selector. Come on, entertainers.